guys. <laughs> Welcome back to RT Share Tea, where respiratory therapists live out loud. With me, your host, Linda Fry, the asthma lady. Yes. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to anyone new. And thank you, everyone, for the support, you know, spreading the word and just supporting me. All right, guys. So super, super, super appreciative. Now, today I'm very excited because I have another guest co-host. And this one is amazing. Yes, we have Dave, Dr. Damien Fisher, who I know through in the social media space. And we often bump into each other um, because of the patient advocacy space. And he's also an asthma educator. So this is amazing. And oh, I can't forget, he also has a work history of a respiratory therapist. So it just made sense to have him on. So super excited to have uh, Dr. Damien with us. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read his bio and I'm going to let him do his thing. Okay. All right. So Dr. Damien Fisher graduated from Florida AM, A&M University College of Pharmacy with a Doctor of Pharmacy degree in 2020 in 2004. He prolonged his studies and completed an ASHP accredited residency with an emphasis on community and ambulatory care at University of Tennessee. He became intrigued in academia during his career. He has held three clinical assistant professor positions at Hampton University School of Pharmacy and University of Houston College of Pharmacy, as well as South University School of Pharmacy. His passion in the ambulatory care world is within the area of pulmonary and dermatology. He is currently a certified, he is currently certified as an asthma educator and is heavily involved with the American Lung Association as a national presenter. He serves as a board member to the National Asthma Certified Asthma Education Board, advocating for asthma educators' opportunities. Damien is also a board member of the National Board of Respiratory Care. Damien Curry works at the UTMB Health League City Team as the Outpatient Allergy and Dermatology Clinical Pharmacist, pharmacist Specialist. Wow, Damien. <laughs> <laughs> You do a I lot. Mean, yeah, yeah I, I guess so. You know, long in the tooth, though. <laughs> I'm like, wow, amazing, amazing, amazing. So thank you so much for being here with us. And we're just so excited to hear your perspectives on everything that you have done. And um, like I said, we've, we've been uh, bumping into each other because we in a lot of the same space. And so I would love for you to share your story on how you ended up, I don't know too many pharmacists yeah. that are certified asthma educators and on the National Board of Respiratory Care. And so you're kind of unique. So yeah. very excited um, to have you on. So what I usually do is with guest co-hosts, I always want them to share the story of why, how did they get into the profession that they're in? And so you can um, share your story of, so what made you decide to be a pharmacist? Well, uh, tell you the truth, I was a, a teacher by trade. I knew I wanted to be a teacher, a presenter um, way back in high school when I was like a vice president of the school. And uh, yeah. I wanted to teach chemistry. That's all I wanted to do, you know, mm. be a high school chemi chemistry teacher and also uh, 
be a JV basketball coach. I, I, I told my parents that, and my parents looked at me and basically said, no. Um, <laughs> they were like, yes, you can go into chemistry, but you you, know, you have to strive a little harder. Because um, both my parents are teachers by trade as well. Okay. And, okay. Um, Makes they, sense. Wanted, they wanted me to do something in the medical field um, okay. between okay. dentistry and pharmacy. And uh, I uh, worked at, uh, for those old timers that actually remember this, I worked at Eckert's Pharmacy as a pharmacy uh, technician. And okay. I fell in love with pharmacy. And um, I basically applied to like six different schools. And uh, Florida A&M was very uh, homely to me because of the campus. I liked the I liked the campus and the spread. Okay. And so when I got into pharmacy school, I noticed that there were different opportunities, not just community pharmacy, but um, I think the best thing I can always tell students and the best thing I can always tell anyone is that you had to fit your attributes, your characteristics to whatever you um, are going to have a long career in. So I know I'm very loquacious. I'm very personable. I'm an extrovert, according to most people, when they try to characterize me. So yeah. ambulatory care just seemed like the best bill um, yeah. for me. And uh, I, I, I love talking to patients. I love breaking down concepts uh, for patients. That aha moment, that, yeah. you know, that brings me joy, right? Um, love that, it. Yeah, that self-rewarding um, uh thing about ambulatory care is what I love so that you know the great thing about ambulatory care is basically you break down these concepts you get those aha moments but it's a self-rewarding to the point where you know with asthma you know you teach them an inhaler technique you teach them um you know these little nuances about triggers and things of that sort and you know you you, you get to see the progression of their health care improving because of those little small little counseling tips that you get. Right. Yeah. So you, you can't get that in, you know, the, in the inpatient side, because not saying, you know, not belittling inpatient, but you can't get that self-rewarding aspect because you're fixing the problem and you're doing a great job of fixing the problem on the inpatient side, but sometimes you don't build that rapport with the patient. Right. So amateur right. care was definitely for me. Um, probably the reason why pulmonary stuck with me, because uh, I do have a history of pulmonary sarcoidosis and uh, there's wow. no, uh, okay. yeah, there's no uh, pulmonary sarcoidosis clinics or there could be, it's just not as big as asthma and COPD. So I wanted to help the pulmonary world the best way I could. And asthma, COPD, um, it just spoke to me a lot. I really think I have a lot of good concepts that breaks down um, for patients to understand whether it's regarding inhaler, regarding the pathophysiology asthma, pathophysiology COPD. I just think um, I do a better job of counseling patients and also being a great advocate for patients um, with using yeah with using my background. So that's pretty that's pretty much my story um, from <laughs> high school until now. Uh, I I just think pulmonary is. Pulmonary education is so underutilized within our society. Uh, we can do a lot of more preventative care, a lot more education yes. to prevent our patients uh, having attacks, exacerbations. And, you know, I think uh, the American Lung Association is a great platform. Uh, I think, you know, me being on a board uh, is also opening the door for other pharmacists. Um, and that's, you know, pharmacists, uh, I, they don't feel pulmonary. I don't know. I, I, I had, there's a little stigma to me that, you know, they don't think it's a, a, a way to get in the door of education, but it's absolutely a way to get in the door of education. I, I like being the beacon for that. Right. Let me say, 
Dr. Fisher, it, <laughs> it makes so much sense to me because especially when it comes to patient education, when they go to pick up the prescriptions that a pharmacist can really break down to them, like why they have two different inhalers or, right. you know, right. the difference between the medications. We see it often on, on, on our end. So as a respiratory therapist and a asthma educator, I've seen it so many times where the patients confuse the medication and, you know, it's really just, it, that can be, resolved by just spending a little time and yeah. providing asthma education right then yeah. and there. And um, so when I saw that, you know, you were a pharmacist and you were, you know, using your platforms to, to do that type of work, I was like, wow, it makes so much sense. And I don't see it. It should be done more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think my first job, not my first academic job, but my first clinical job definitely taught me um, the nuances of not everyone has the same understanding as everyone else, you know, breaking down concepts is necessary. So working in the prison system and running an asthma clinic definitely showed me, you know, we had to reach patients on different levels. What? Some are, I didn't know you did that. <laughs> yeah. So for 10 yeah. years, I worked in the prison system, uh, running an <laughs> asthma, diabetes and chronic kidney disease clinic. And asthma was definitely- wow. Yeah, asthma was definitely uh, something that, you know, because basically in, in the prison system, you, you pay money, uh, you outsource money to for them to go into an ambulance, for them to go into a hospital. That's not okay. paid by, yeah, so that's not paid because um, there's no prison hospitals nearby. So mm -hmm. you, you pay uh, uh, this higher price, this ambulance price, this uh, inpatient price to these near hospitals to take care of a simple asthma exacerbation that could have been prevented if we used the right inhaler. So I used a color dot system there, uh, which you know spoke home to most of the most of the patients there um, in in prison health. Um, so you know it, breaking down those little small nuances can definitely reach patients' um, education understanding about asthma and COPD. Wow, I I did not know that. I didn't know yeah. that about the system. And um, look, that's another thing that you did. I didn't, I didn't even have that in the bio. <laughs> like, no, I, I know. I just, I mean, it, it's not like I try to hide it. It's just no. I love it. I love yeah. it. It, it really, it really does. Um, it just adds context to why you do what you do and how you do it. So no, I, I love it. So okay, well, you basically, you, you gave me already the story kind of behind <laughs> what led you to get. Yeah. The, what led you to become an asthma educator to get certified as an asthma yeah. educator? So I wanted to know, you know, so what was your like, you know, what made you finally say, let me go get that? And yeah. how was your experiences taking the exam? So I believe everyone has a niche in any type of occupation you, yes. you go into, you know, whether it's healthcare, whether it's being a teacher, or whether it's being, um, you know, a uh, business marketing exec, everyone has a specific niche that brings them joy, right? Uh, asthma brought me joy. There was no doubt about it. My passion's there. Uh, you know, I don't get tired of ta talking about asthma. I don't get tired of talking about COPD. I don't get tired of talking about respiratory disorders. Mm -hmm. uh, there are other disease states I get tired about. So um, I, in order to be the top of my game, you know, I could not find any other credentialing 
uh, other than AEC or asthma educator to be at top of the game. Um, I wish there was a COPD one. I think there's one in Canada that they do for a certification, but okay. um, there's not particularly a COPD one. Um, right. But I knew AEC was the top of uh, the top of the game to get credentialed. Um, I did. I, I I'm just going to be honest with you. The first time um, I didn't really study, so just being honest. Uh, and what it wasn't the pharmacotherapy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I failed because yeah. I ran out of time actually. Yeah, well, I, I failed too. I got 74. So <laughs> first, it wasn't the pharmacotherapy, it wasn't the pathophysiology, it was the cultural uh yes and social. So, yeah, I love the fact. Oh, I love it. You yeah. you're doing it right now because so many people they think because oh, I'm a nurse, I'm a respiratory therapist, right. I'm a doctor, I'm right. a pharmacist, I could just go and take yep. this exam. I know every discipline that have taken that exam and failed. Yep. You have to study for that yes. exam, you have to know how to take the exam because yeah. there are questions if you are not about that life. Right. They're asking you about program management. They're right. asking you about funding. They're asking you about cultural cu cu cultural uh, um, aspects and how to incorporate that in the education. It's, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, you know, I was saying, I'm like, oh, you know, I did prison health, you know, 10 years. And of course I'm cultured, you know, um, you know, <laughs> of course I'm good. Right. So I was like, I don't need to study that. So uh, yeah, that part like did me in and the funding part, uh, the economic part, uh, the grant part, there's a, there's certain questions about grants. So uh, that just part just did me in um, uh, back then. So the second time I was well prepared and I knocked it out. Part. So, but uh, yeah, so my experience taking the exam was basically to study. I did yes. take, a, um, I, I did do a review course. I, I did some uh, study tips, talked to some other people. And, um, you know, I, I was successful the second time, um, it, you know, you just put a little work into it along with your job, right. uh, study on the weekends and, you know, put a good, I would say, you know, this is just me. So this is my opinion, two or three months weekends. Um, I think, I think you're going to be well, well prepared. So, um, I really, yeah. And I, I think because of the AEC, I have my platform for asthma, uh, definitely lifted off, especially with the American Lung Association. Yes, um, it's not too my... many of you. You're a unicorn. Yeah, it definitely caught my eye too. I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah, I love speaking for them, um, mm -hmm. doing all their virtual presentations. Very good organization. Yeah, uh, especially for the COPD educator. Uh, I can't do the AS, uh, the asthma anymore, but I can do the COPD educator that okay. they do. Um, also, it took it, uh, it gave me a great platform to speak at Breathers Club, Better Breathers Club. Mm -hmm. So that's like more of a respiratory uh, rehabilitation centers that they have all across uh, Texas and other states as well. Um, so I go there um, when they need out of my time and basically uh, talk to them um, about uh, talk to a group of uh, patients to help them be mature in age. I don't like saying a word old, yeah. uh, have <laughs> to be mature in age and uh, basically talk to them about inhalers and techniques, uh, funding, prescription assistance programs, uh, you know, uh, grant programs where they can get these inhalers and they don't feel like they're economically strifed. Uh, so I, I really, really, really appreciate the AEC uh, credentials because it definitely let me uh, be able to touch more patients and be able to more uh, be able to engage my community more. Nice. I I love that. And like I said, um, when I saw even when I saw your 
um, your profile on LinkedIn, it really did, it, it, it did catch my eye because I was like, yeah, I don't know too many uh, pharmacists that do what you do. And so um, I commend you definitely uh, the work that you've done and everything that you're doing and especially around health disparities and um, you know, it's, it's, it's so needed, <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it, you know, and none of the, I don't feel like any of these problems are new, like just going back in when I do my research and just it, it these are not new problems. It's no. just that it's not like, ongoing well, consistent problems. You understand when are we going to start finding like solutions, like real right. solutions right, right. to these issues. So right. it's um yes. And so, yes, we could segue into patient advocacy. So what does what does patient advocacy mean to you? So I think it's a big umbrella. Um, I think the first thing is connecting patients to outreach resources that are affordable, also is attainable for them. So it's not only about getting them the medication, it's getting them the education. Um, it's also also getting them the actual provider help. So uh, one of the one of the things that I'm working on is trying to start a grant program where um so there will be like certain health fairs that where they'll be able to come on a monthly basis to get that provider interaction, to get the education, to get assistance for medications. Um, you know, there is assistance out there where, you know, it's going to be hard for all of us to find them, but it, there is assistance out there. And, you know, some of these patients and uh, those mature individuals that happen to have COPD um, or asthma, um, you know, and they're over 65 and they have Medicare Part D and some of these uh, insurances don't, I mean, they'll cover the inhaler, but guess what? They're paying, you know, 150, 100. Those co-pays. Yeah, the co-pay is ridiculous. So, um, and that's not feasible for them, you know, and, you no. know, and you on, want on a them, fixed income. Yeah. You know, and you want them to be on the inhaler because you know, you've seen improvements. I mean, and let's not even talk about the biologics, you know, the, the biologics oh, are starting to change the game as well. <laughs> So now that Dupixin has, uh, will be having a COPD FDA approval. Um, now, now that Testbuyer is on the way of trying to get COPD FDA approval for uh, treating COPD patients, you know, we, I'm trying, I'm trying to find different ways to bridge that gap. So in my current role, uh, I try to do prescription assistance programs. I try to okay. uh, uh, volunteer at the homeless, uh, at the student, uh, sorry. At a student-run shelter, uh, a I love clinic, it. Uh, called the Saint Vincent's Clinic in down in Galveston, so I volunteer my time there. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, volunteer my time at the Better Breathers Club. So, any way I can go out to the community and engage them with pamphlets, education, prescription assistance program, I will go ahead and fill out the form for them. Okay, because you know, I don't. If they don't need to fill it, I can do it for them. You know, yeah. it, it's just going to take a couple minutes, uh, and you know, it's not a couple minutes, maybe fifteen minutes. Uh, but the, the thing about it is those 15 minutes are necessary to bring better, healthier outcomes to a patient, to another human being. And, you know, that's how you touch individuals. You right. touch them by improving their overall health and their wellness. Correct. Correct. I, I totally agree. And you just answered another question. So very. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, good. We're flowing. And I, I want I want this conversation to flow like that. Because I was going to ask, you know, how do you assist patients, you know, with their asthma self-management? And you already, you just said basically it right then and there, helping them with, um, you know, the pres prescription mm -hmm. coverage and, you know, assistance. And, you know, people don't know how 
important that is. It's like, yeah, you you have to you have to give them the education, and but you also have to give them um, access to resources. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they just don't know where to go. <laughs> yeah. Like for example, like Depiction My Way is a great prescription assistance program. Um, oh, can you repeat that again? Depiction My Way. Okay. It's a great uh, prescription assistance program. Um, of course, you have to fit the criteria. Um, okay. But if you have, if you serve a, a really diverse population, it fits the criteria. Uh, it takes anywhere between four to six weeks to, for the drug to actually show up to their house, you know, um, okay. or show up to their place of residence. And uh, you know, covered my meds is a great uh, uh, is a great mm-hmm. website to use. Okay, I'm gonna take note of that. Cover my meds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cover My Meds is a great website to use, especially for uh, if you're having difficulties for prior authorizations. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, these type of things, us healthcare providers, healthcare employees, we can use these type of resources and be able to touch our patients a, a lot more. You know, and it's great that we give education, but sometimes education cannot be the only step, you know. Not we, alone. We, I yeah, we need right. to. It's, 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 not a not, it's not enough to just yeah. be like, facts and information to people Mm -hmm. and then it's just like okay well well where do I go and you know the how and sometimes the motivation and Mm -hmm. the why why should I even like I've I've gone so far like this and and you you ask yourself why should you even the question is why wouldn't you you know you want you want to affect change in people's lives that's the whole reason why impact yeah, you want to have that impact, you know, and I understand it can be time consuming, but I guarantee you, if you look at the the time that you spend and the effectiveness that happens later on, the outcomes that hap- happen later on, that will even draw you even more deeper into trying to get patient interaction, you know, more deeper into trying to get prescription mm-hmm. assist- assistance for these patients. Yes, 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 yes. And we want to keep them engaged. Yeah. And I always say this, like, because asthma, COPD, these are diseases that's going to be with them. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it. they have to be engaged in their own self-management. Right. And that in its own is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. And right. so, yes. Okay. I'm loving this. We're doing real good. Uh, so yes, like I said, you just answered my other question. So, so what, um, and you, I believe you you said that already too. But you know, so what are the common challenges that you see for those with, um, you know, asthma, COPD, as a pharmacist? So, the the one of the things I see is the overutilization of albuterol. So I love smoking. <laughs> yeah. Preach. Yeah, I mean, even in the prison system, they used albuterol to get high. So. Uh, yeah, they used it. I mean, you give anyone, you know, time by themselves in a six by six room, they're going to find ways to, um, yeah. cause, cause to have energy for themselves. Right. So, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. okay. so, uh, you know, and also, uh, vaping, I think vaping is another obstacle, especially with this younger population and mm-hmm. it being more accessible because of these stores that are coming up. Um, I find that to be a very uh, strong obstacle um, in a lot of my patients' lives. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to treat COPD if you're if you're doing the same thing that causes the destruction yeah, of COPD. It's, so, um, so it's it's a bad. It's just it's so hard. Right. And I I tell people to be as empathetic as possible because it's I'm I'm trying to cut sugar out my diet and right. I it's so. The, the it's so hard um addiction i feel like i'm addicted to sugar 
right. literally the headaches, like you feel crappy. Yes. So I, I can't, I've never been a smoker. So I, right. I can only imagine yeah. how deep of a, of how hard that is to, to end that habit. So I, I am with you. The addiction is definitely there. Uh, uh, speaking to a person, uh, it was like, uh, I think, uh, July of last year to this year, I've lost 126 pounds, but it wow. took me, it took me 40 some odd years to basically get it down in my head that, you know, I want to live a long life and I want to lose yes. weight and yes. I had to find the will or the discipline, but it's different for everybody. It takes, yes. you know, you know, everyone has that moment where, you know, it, it clicks, right? So what, whatever that moment is, is up to us as healthcare providers to get them to that moment or to see uh, whether it's a visualization. Um, so one time I used a, uh, uh, for my patients at the St. Vincent Clinic, I used that model to show what the cigarette do to the lungs. Now, did it click for everybody? No, but I was able to get two patients in our smoking sensation program. Nice. You know, so let me tell you something. Call, that is success. Yeah, yeah, I call that a win. You know, it, it, I don't care if it was two, one, or half. You, you know? understand? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, whatever it is, it's going to take that one moment, that one glit, or that one kickstart to to get people in gear. And you know, whether it's weight, whether it's smoking, whether it's whatever addiction it is, uh, you know. It, it just takes that one moment. We got to be the one to propel that moment to our uh, patients. Yes, sir. <laughs> totally, totally agree. Uh, okay, so, so with that being said, is there any advice that you would give to anyone that is interested into getting into patient advocacy space? Like, especially within chronic disease management, lung, lung diseases, so what 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 advice would you give if any? Uh, I think the advice I would give is I, I, I like listening to other people speak um, about <laughs> uh, about the my, my passion. I, I like listening and see what they have to say, and then I like to interpret what they have to say in my own words, and then I like using visualization. I'm a very tactile guy. Okay. Um, uh, for as a professor, I use escape rooms, uh, actual escape rooms in order to bridge the gap of knowledge of asthma to our to my students. So right. I, I used inhalers, I used spirometry, I used uh, mannequins uh, doing in, uh, breathing in and out. Uh, you know, I, I used a lot of little nuances in order to um, right. touch to in order to for uh, my students to touch and understand asthma. So my thing is, I would I would encourage anyone to listen to multiple speakers, listen to a variety of different patients tell their testimonies and stories, okay. right? Because every, asthma and COPD affects everyone a different way. And yes, some there, type of way. Yeah, and yes, there is the pathophysiology may may be the same, but it, it affects people a different way. And Correct. my in order to listen to testimonials from patients, you will gain a greater knowledge of understanding the asthma and COPD. And ergo, you will try to find a way to advocate for those patients because those stories will will string on your heart. You know, I, I really believe that. You know, you ever had a patient that, you know, that had COPD or asthma and you try to get them to do spirometry and they can't? Or you are- It's you, so, yeah. yes, yes. And yeah. I have- and They run I, out of breath? 
yeah, they couldn't do it. Yeah, and you run out of breath, and you're just like, you know, why is that happening? I mean, yeah, you could do it, but you know, again, you're talking to someone with a very poor lung function. You're talking to someone with a very poor inspiratory flow rate. You know why they can't use certain inhalers and why they can use this. So, I I really would encourage anyone trying to make a, a a constant effort to listen to a variety of speakers. Also. Try to, um, you know, if you want to get into the game of asthma, COPD, try to be at the top of your game. So try to get the credentialing. Try to, uh, I, yeah. I'm the asthma lady. I do telephone all the time. Yeah. Just go get it. Study. Yeah. Put the letters behind your name. Why not? Yeah. And, I'm, <laughs> and I'm thinking about uh, um, getting that certification. I think it's through the, uh, I think it's AAE. Um, that is the pulmonary function um yep PFT. certification yeah so i'm thinking about doing that oh, that's through the nbrc too yeah yeah nbrc uh -huh. as well so i'm thinking about doing that um seeing if i can do that this is i am a pharmacist but i i, I do it so often um now i am going to study for it though i'm not going to take it <laughs> not going to take that lightly but uh <laughs> i think i do it so often and, I, and I, I i basically educate my students on it you know even though they're pharmacy students i i try i, I think by doing that i can only hopefully gain the respect of my my peers and also feel that I have a better grasp of respiratory therapists, pulmonologists, uh, about the little nuances and uh, idiosyncrasies that they go through uh, regarding spirometry and things of that sort. So I, you know, if you have a passion for it and you want to help your patients, you got to be at the top of your game and you're yes. going to have to be able to break down concepts for their understanding. Correct. So that connection and yeah. keep them engaged. You yeah. got to keep them engaged because that's the only way they're going to bring a healthier life correct. to themselves. So Correct. Correct. Well, thank you so much, Xavier, for that. And so, so is there, so this is the time to plug. I always yeah. give people an opportunity <laughs> to plug anything that they're doing on RT Shanty podcast. So what you got going on? What's your next thing? Go ahead. Um, so my next thing is trying to get that grant lifted off. Um, and, um, you you know, right help. now. <laughs> okay okay i, I hear you and i just want to also you know give a shout out to you i mean i i have uh looked at your bio as well and you're at the top of your game the fact that you're doing <laughs> oh, stuff thank you. yes the fact that you're doing stuff independently and you are killing it with your presentations i've listened to a couple thank of your podcasts you. i also have listened um to your some of your presentations uh you know thank more you. shout out to you um Appreciate you, it. <laughs> you, you did it. You, you did it for yourself, by yourself, and I think that's awesome. Um, I, I think going forward with me, I think uh, working on the grant, um, always trying to teach within the respiratory therapy school, the PA okay. school down here. Um, maybe uh, right now I'm an adjunct professor at Texas Southern University College of Pharmacy. Uh, I, I think I always want to have my hand in academia, but um, I'm trying to get this grant lifted off. Okay. where um, we can have monthly health fairs for our uh, COPD and asthma patients. Okay. We'll be doing spirometry, inhaler education. Um, I will, uh, I'm trying to get to garner a pulmonologist to come out as a part I, of it. I was going to suggest, um, he's retired, but Dr. Oh. Leroy Graham, he was the- Leroy Graham? Dr. Leroy Graham, yeah. He was the director of the Not One More Life program, huge program. Okay. He was everywhere. So he recent he retired not too long ago. So he is one of my mentors. Oh, okay. All right. That's so, Roy Graham. So I might, you know, I'm I might yeah. be able to finagle something. You know, I appreciate so, it. 
yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah. it. So, you know, hang in there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, going for it, that's where I think I'm going to uh, focus most of my time, especially outside my job. Um, and also biologic health, uh, the, the biologics, uh, trying to make it more affordable for our patients. Yes, uh, access. Dermatology, asthma, whatever. Asthma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Mark Cuban has um, done a good job with his little um, insurance discount program with Humira. Uh, the biosimilars oh, are coming out. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, I did not know about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's doing a good job with that, lowering the price for that. But since the biosimilars are coming out, I think we'll see a shift um, in price change with some of these uh, um, biologics. I hope so. I would like to be the advocate for our patients as well as the advocate for our providers, knowing that these biosimilars are as effective as the reference biologic. So that is... That is my overall goal of these next five years. And, you know, hopefully get my daughter into a affordable art school that she desires. That's another goal of mine. Nice. You know, hopefully she likes volleyball because right now she's uh, she's killing it in eighth grade. That's my sister played volleyball. She was okay. There we go. Captain back in the day. So, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Dr. Fisher. Thank you so much. This was such an amazing, amazing experience to have you as a guest co-host. I loved everything that you said. I agree with everything. And like I said, you are a true unicorn. And I knew it. I I knew when I saw, you know, everything you were doing and on social media space and I saw your profile, I was like, yes, another unicorn. (laughs) <laughs> I'm in that space too. Thank you. Thank <laughs> so, you so yes, much. I thank really appreciate you so it. Much. And 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 once again, thank you for your time sharing your perspectives on RT Share T. We really, really appreciate you. Thank yes. you so much. So, I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> All right, guys. So thank you so much for being here. Don't forget that we are here on most Google on most uh podcast platforms on Wednesdays. And we are on YouTube on Thursdays. And we have so much more to come. We are growing together. All right, guys. So I will see you next week. And remember to invest in yourself and to only compete with yesterday's version of you. See you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye.